Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember as well as a show on air and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our Tech Central editor, Niall Kitson. I suppose the first thing is to say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dusty. We've got a lot to get through on this show. Yeah, because what we wanted to do was to kind of look at some of the big things that happened in 2017 and to see what might happen in 2018. And I think the biggest story of last year, because there was maybe three things that we were kind of thinking. Uh, uh, Brexit was one of them. Bitcoin was the other. We get to them. Uh, but I think the top one was fake news. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. And what I think is interesting about fake news is that it's the application of technology to social media, which is something we don't really cover an awful lot on the show. We don't mm. talk about social media an awful lot because it tends not to be a technology story. But here we have the application of algorithms onto social media, generating, as you say, fake news stories that have absolutely no basis in fact whatsoever, targeted at people who already are demonstrating certain political persuasions or, and here's the scary bit, demonstrating certain personality traits that would be amenable to certain stories if pushed on them on Facebook, right? So we're getting to the stage, not so much where, um, I guess we're fairly liberal folk here, so you might see stories from um, just taking at random maybe the Young Turks or the Irish Times or the Guardian or something like that. Uh, that will pop up in our, our news feeds. You would expect that. But all of a sudden, something might appear and you'd go, oh, OK, I didn't know that. You know, self-driving cars are coming to the market for less than €10,000 in 2018. That's really interesting. And then you, you take a, a, little, uh, a little look and you will see that the origin of the story might be carsforyou.co.ru.ie, something ridiculous. You know, it's a completely made up website and it's just there for clicks to make money. Um, and this is the sort of thing that we're getting. But the net effect of this is that you, if you don't click through to the article, you go, mm. oh, really? OK. And that little seed gets implanted in yeah, your head. And what's even worse is if you see somebody else liked that story mm. and then you kind of think, well, my friend believes it, so therefore I believe it. Mm. Um, I think the whole thing with uh, uh, with fake news is that it, it's the effect on society more than, than anything else because Obama had a, a terrific interview with uh, Prince Harry which mm. they did on uh, Radio 4 over the uh, the Christmas and the point that Obama was making was you get into this little social media cocoon mm. and exactly as you, as you have described social media will keep pushing you things that you're interested in that you've clicked on before so it keeps pushing you these kind of little fake news stories so suddenly that's your new reality. Yeah, there's absolutely no quality control whatsoever no. and Facebook's argument is that yeah the algorithm will be a bit rubbish at first but the, the more the algorithm gets exposed to things the better it will get which is total nonsense because you know people are smart this is one thing we have learned throughout the years. People mm. can invent things. People can circumvent things. You know, algorithms oh, oh, sorry. don't have common sense. You mean people who want to get around al- algorithms are smart? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant people in general. <laughs> <laughs> ah, come on, as a species, I think we've done all right. But this is what's going to happen. I mean, Facebook famously um, said, oh, we're employing a, a news team to look after, you know, make sure that things that get through to people's news feeds are accurate. And I read a piece on it. I actually think it was in The Guardian, Mm. oddly enough, uh, describing the working conditions for the Facebook news team. And it was basically, they were a bunch of 
treated like, you know, goblins down in the basement of Facebook HQ. And it was in a department that was constantly being downsized because it was just this overarching belief that, yep, the algorithm will sort everything, you know, capital A algorithm. And mm. uh, it hasn't happened. And I don't think it's going to happen successfully anywhere. I think part of it is this unwavering belief in technology, which is nice if you're a technology company, you're kind of expected to have it. And another is the sort of minimising of human ingenuity. Yes, leaving it all to the computers. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a complete waste of time. But the other thing I think on the fake news side of things is uh, is our friend Donald Trump. Who benefited greatly. <laughs> yes, but he, he is a very, you know, powerful man with mm. a very big microphone and he is accusing like, you know, CNN or whatever of mm. fake news. And there are large sections of the population in the States now who think, well, CNN, it's all fake news. They make it up. So, the, you know, we've had that for years, like with the B, and I've heard that. I've seen stories about the BBC being a very one-sided uh, political mouthpiece for mm. the British government, for, for the royal family or whatever. You know, I don't pay much credence to it, but maybe that's because I'm semi-intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> but other people might read that and go, well, you yeah. You'll always find, you know, organisations that are properly speaking truth to power all of a sudden are fake news or have no credence or whatsoever. Mm. You know? So I think that on the whole communication thing is going to be very interesting. I think we're going to see a lot of very interesting stuff uh, uh, over the year on that. Bitcoin, of course, was a- another big story of, of the year. This time last year, Bitcoin was worth, mm, what, $1,000 a coin? Yeah, and even then people were like, wow, cryptocurrency, this will be big. Uh, and now uh, it peaked at... What was it? It's just uh, just under eighteen thousand, I think. Uh, I think it seventeen nine thousand dollars at the moment. I think we're down to. I actually made a note of this today before coming out to the studio because there's been so much fluctuation. <laughs> it's fourteen uh, five at the moment. Fourteen five. Okay. thousand um, dollars. By the time uh, uh, we go on air, that will be <laughs> twenty two. It'll be back up to twenty two. <laughs> Everyone will be investing again. But it's interesting to see that uh, there's a couple of interesting things to see with that Bitcoin story because. You You've got all of the banks and the financial institutions that go, whoa, that's dangerous. Don't go near that. And I think to a certain extent, they're probably going, well, it's an unknown quantity, so we don't know what's going to happen with it. But I think there's also a little, we've no control over this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the attractions of cryptocurrencies is that they they aren't regulated by central banks. But it's also, um, you know, it's it's a, a downside from a central bank's perspective from maybe the consumer side. That's actually a really good thing because mm. it's not it's not a fiat cu- currency. You know, a central bank can theoretically print as much money as it wants. Uh, Bitcoin, there's actually a finite amount of Bitcoin out there mm. because it's all based on, you know, solving mathematical puzzles. So you have people with these ridiculously specked out PCs solving puzzles on the hope that they will earn a Bitcoin from them, you know? Yeah. So this is the the promise of it, really. That Now, of course, another downside to it is because everything is it's, it's safe, effectively. Um, if somebody runs off with your Bitcoin after a dodgy transaction, well, sorry, the whole thing was anonymized. Yeah, well, they well that's the same with cash, isn't it? To a, to a certain extent, certain extent, yeah. But this is what you get with ransomware, which I guess segues into a, a, another story we were talking about. Well, that, that that was the other one that I was thinking of last year was uh, was WannaCry. Yeah, yeah. And I thought what was interesting about WannaCry was that I mean we've had many viruses over the years, and what's your PC and this, that, and the other. But WannaCry infected the uh, the uh, National Health Service in the UK. Yeah, and it almost brought that down to uh, to nothing. Yeah, it spread to 150 countries. Like I mean, its reach was incredible, and 
from a consumer perspective, we are so lucky in that we have control over our own security. Mm. And these days, if there's a problem with Windows, Microsoft are very quick to issue a patch. They're, they're moving away from the Patch Tuesday model, which is great. Um, if you've got any sort of decent security suite on your system, it, most of them have the bare antivirus protection now. So if you go for a you know the upgraded version, you're getting things like parental controls that maybe the average user doesn't, doesn't need. Mm. I certainly don't need it on my own. Um, so, you know, the base protection is actually very good on them. Uh, so it's when you get to the stage that it's the large corporates and the enterprises that are being targeted because cyber criminals know that these security updates are massive projects. Mm. They happen much slower. If there's a, a vulnerability that's been in the system for a long time and has only been discovered, you can bet there is a, I don't want to say a generous window of opportunity, but there certainly is a much wider uh, window of opportunity than with a, a con- consumer version. Yeah, and I don't think people realise that because I, I certainly didn't and it was only when I was working for a very large organisation. Of course, being a tech person, I was kind of, why are we using these old computers? Like, you yep. know, the, everything is three generations along and it's got a new... And uh, somebody from the IT department said, yes, of course, we'd love to jump with that. But he says, but if we replace something here, we have to replace 1,200 machines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, okay, yeah, you don't do <laughs> yeah. you don't do that too easy, and then trying to keep. So, do you think that uh, Microsoft and Apple are going to go with some kind of a, a process where they are going to update all of those corporate machines the way that they do the consumer machines? That's a huge challenge for Microsoft. Actually, I, I, it reminds me of a case study uh, I came across a couple of years ago when there was uh, an up. Uh, a company-wide upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10. And now it it might have been XP to Windows 7, but we'll just take it as read. This is a large organisation with thousands of users. And the IT department either had a choice of going in and upgrading each machine individually, or they actually handed out USB keys to everyone in the organisation and said, today you update your PC, put that in. And it actually worked. People actually embraced having to take control of their own system, upgrading, getting up to spec. Okay. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. I wouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because there'll always be one. (laughs) There will always be one. But I guess you'll be able to see that on the the network or whatever. And Mm. your IT guys can put in a call and go, oh, we see you haven't updated yet. Is there a problem? Can we come down? You're just the, I imagine the vast majority of people will upgrade if they're if they're given their machine and told you will have to work with this. Mm. If you don't upgrade it, you won't be able to work properly. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe the uh, the other thing that WannaCry kind of crossed my mind because you know I'm a great uh, cons- conspiracy theorist, mm. uh, and uh, you know there's a lot of things going on with uh, North Korea and uh, yeah. with Russia and uh, Eastern Europe and stuff like that at the moment, and uh, you know people are talking about well Donald's going to push the button. Yeah, uh, I wonder what button is he going to push. Because up until now, you kind of think to yourself, oh, he's going to push the button that launches the nuclear warheads and then we're going to have bombs. But, I mean, that's so 20th century. (laughs) (laughs) If there's an internet kill switch, that's much more interesting. But can you imagine if you took out internet access for an entire country and took out the computer networks for an entire country? And that's what I meant by by the WannaCry because WannaCry infected the the national health system in the UK and brought that crashing down. Mm. Now, what if you uh, infiltrate the computers that run the uh, electricity? What if you infiltrate the computers that run, you know, even 
the traffic lights. I mean, we've had all these movies over the years, mm. but of course, movies seem to be a terrific uh, idea, playground for uh, uh, for people who want to do bad things in the real world. Yeah. Well, that's something that we saw in the uh, NotPetya attack, which was one month after uh, WannaCry. Mm. And uh, it seemed that an awful lot of um, agencies and businesses in Russia and the Ukraine were being hit. Now, of course, there was collateral damage. I mean, it spread to um, 64 countries. Uh, well, what was interesting about it was that it was uh, it sort of was dressed up as ransomware mm. that, you know, um, pays $300 and we'll unlock your computer. Uh, and then it emerged that actually a lot of this payload, it doesn't matter if you pay the $300, it's actually not going to be unlockable. So, uh, ultimately, you dress these things up to look like it's a bunch of kids that got a bit too lucky. But really, scratch the surface, you're going to find a nation state somewhere along the way. But what is behind it? Because that's what happened in the Ukraine. They said it was an attack that came out of the Ukraine and the Ukraine kind of went, no, it wasn't us. It was actually the Russian government. Yeah. And the Russian government are kind of going, no, it no, wasn't no, no, us. It was and, it's like, and, and that gets back into the whole area of fake news, which we started mm-hmm. off with. Yeah. You know, who do you believe? Mm. You know, it's insane. Well, North Korea is getting an awful lot of uh, fingers pointed at it. And you wonder, for a country that has is famous from our perspective. You know, we look at North Korea and we go, they have no infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You know, their access to the internet is so limited. Maybe they've they've got a much better network than we actually think they do. And they're so close to South Korea. Which has an excellent (laughs) network. (laughs) Maybe they're colluding and working together. Oh. (laughs) You heard it here first. Capital C. So listen, what else have we got on our list? Now, one of the biggest news stories. Now, it wasn't necessarily a tech story, but certainly it's in the headlines every darn day. Uh, and that is Brexit. Now, where do you think yeah. Brexit and the process throughout this year now, 2018, is going to affect the world of tech in Ireland? OK, a couple of points on Brexit. Um, there are two reasons why tech companies locate in Ireland. Uh, well, three if you want to cite low corporation tax, which the likes of Facebook and Google totes say has nothing to do with it. Four if you want to include the weather, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, yes, because the data centre cooling Exactly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. Put your data centres in Ireland. What are the top two reasons? Uh, the top two that I can think of is uh, a native uh, English-speaking uh, population, mm-hmm. uh, English being the language of, of business. And uh, I guess you shouldn't say that to the to the rest of the EU. They'll probably say French or German, but anywho. Um, and the other one is um, access to talent. Mm. So you've got access to language, access to talent, and and therefore uh, access to the the wider EU market as well. So if you want to put that as point number five, um, all of a sudden there's only two countries that can offer that, uh, and one of them has decided they don't want to be in the EU anymore. So I guess that leaves only us. Uh, and that's that can be pretty good if you're if you're in a US company and you don't have a European presence yet and England is saying actually we don't want to be part of the EU anymore so you know your your travel stuff your your free trade all that sort mm. of thing you, you we're not interested in that anymore all of a sudden Ireland becomes a lot more attractive but maybe not as attractive as you think because I'll just counter uh, mm-hmm. argue, argue with you uh, to say that like if you walk past the Google building in Dublin down the road uh, you'd be lucky to hear an Irish accent uh, well, sometimes you would, but yes, I accept your point. Okay, yeah. so therefore I would say that's the whole talent argument uh, thrown out the window because people are being brought in from all over Europe and all over the world. Um, and then uh, the English language side of it as well. All of these people who are coming from foreign parts to, to work in Ireland all speak fluent English. Mm-hmm. And English is really the language of business throughout Europe. 
So, you know, it would be quite possible to have a, a business set up in France or in Germany where the, the language of the business is English. Even though it's yes. in, a, in a country that speaks predominantly another language. Uh, yes, I would accept that. Um, but that's, that isn't quite, quite the way things um, have shaken Maybe out. Maybe not. But I think, though, I think we are in a very, very good position for it because it's like anything else. It's the path of least resistance. Yeah. So it's kind of, all right, well, we could set up in Paris and we could have an English-speaking office and we could do this, that and the other. But look, if we go to Ireland, everybody speaks yeah. English. We can recruit there. Um, off we and they're in the EU. I think the more important thing, uh, more important than anything else, is that Ireland is a part of the EU. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's can, access to that market. Exactly. exactly. But uh, I would also add that there is definitely a cluster effect happening in Ireland at the moment. All the major tech companies have a presence in Ireland, mm. and that's actually really good for the jobs market because there's an awful lot of cross pollination. People moving from one large corporate to another, or maybe going, actually, you know, I've done my time in Facebook. Maybe I want to work in a startup and. Bringing that sort of expertise to a startup is really, really useful. And you remember during the year we talked to Nikki Lannan from Wardux and she worked she worked in Facebook and now she's working in virtual reality and doing extremely well. Mm. So this is the sort of movement that we're seeing. And overall, it's really positive for the tech sector. I think it's going to be a good year for the tech sector. Uh, uh, other things on our list of things that happened in 2017 and what may happen in 2018 is one just at the very, very end of last year was the uh, the US uh, voted against net neutrality. Huge story, yeah. yeah. Um, now, if I, um, once I get this correct in my head, because everybody hears about net neutrality and not everybody understands it, all right? Mm. So my understanding of net neutrality is with net neutrality, it means that an internet service provider treats all data equally. Mm. So there's no favoritism shown to Netflix or to mm. Amazon or to email or to FTP yep. or whatever. Everybody's just treated equally and off they go. Mm-hmm. But because the US have voted against net neutrality, it means now that an ISP, if they so wish, can say, well, do you know what? I'm going to give preference to Netflix traffic. Yeah. Or they might turn around and say, I'm going to not give preference to Netflix yeah. traffic because yeah. it's killing my network and I'm going to let everything else or, uh, flow or, freely. Hey, Mr. Netflix, pay us some money and we will make sure your service is faster than Hulu. There you go. There you go. So that's what the essence of what net neutrality is. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me that uh, people around the world and in the States were all campaigning to keep net neutrality. Yes. And somehow it's not there anymore. Well, (laughs) if you look at who actually made up the commission of the FCC, the chairman was a gentleman by the name of Ajit Pai, who worked for Verizon. He was chief legal counsel for Verizon. So you don't need... to connect too many dots to see what was happening. I mean, the, the telecommunications industry was the only people arguing in favour of net neutrality. Mm. Um, all the major service providers were like, you know, this is bad for innovations, this is bad for the internet. Um, now, if you want, could you imagine having to pay like a cent for a Google search every time you wanted to find out something? You know, it's completely anathema to how the internet works. I mean, the idea of the virtual tip jar, it's so far off. We just, we haven't integrated that into our mindset just yet we're still with this fairly antiquated notion that information wants to be free Uh, of course it isn't you know good information costs money Mm. to produce we're learning that through fake news Um, you get the media you deserve you're not going to pay for it you're not going to get good media Um, except for excellent podcasts like our own (laughs) move on move on but yeah net neutrality could it happen here no 
thankfully because of the EU digital single market plans net neutrality is effectively baked into it but if you're in the states this does not look good I mean you can you will be buying into your internet service pro- provo- provider that can offer you a specific set of suite a specific suite of services for a certain price the closest we have over here is you know you buy a new handset on we'll pick a network at random say Vodafone and it comes with five months worth of Dropbox storage that is not preferential network treatment for Dropbox that's that's a deal that Dropbox did to get on Vodafone handsets that's not network uh, network specific so um, that's that's going to be a huge problem for the internet in America um, there is an element where the industry is saying hey everything is fine don't worry about it or as one uh, public representative said a few years ago when um, the Obama administration passed the um, first round of net neutrality I think it would have been 2015 he said yeah we're not thinking of a fast lane and a slow lane in the internet we're thinking of a fast lane well that's American marketing for you isn't, isn't it, it? <laughs> listen uh, speaking of American marketing the uh, the other big story which happened just at the tail end of last year was uh, was Apple <laughs> and this really made me laugh alright okay. it really made me laugh where they went Oh yeah, yeah. No, we do slow down uh, older, older, older phones. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a feature. It's a feature, not a flaw. That was the bit that just really had me doubled over with laughter. It's a feature. Yeah, yeah. We hear that an awful lot. There's, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, uh, just just at random, I was like, "Are there products Apple have made that were just too good?" And oh. I would say, "Oh, the, you, you are such a super Apple fanboy." No, to be, no. To be saying, I would say. <laughs> The fifth generation iPod, yeah, too good mm-hmm. because it did absolutely everything an original iPod set out to do and had lots of storage. Perfect device. That's it. I would say the iPhone 4S, uh, on the basis of its longevity in the market, was probably too good. I mean, it it is still a very acceptable handset, but for okay, if you do, if you haven't upgraded the software in a little while. <laughs> But uh, I found that as a handset, I was using it all the way up to my upgrade to an iPhone 7. Yeah. So sometimes Apple releases a product that is just too good and they have to invent reasons <laughs> to get people to upgrade. And that could be what happened here. You know, they went, they would look at the market and go, Do you know, we haven't sold so many iPhones in a while. Are you condoning that practice? It sounds like no. you were saying Apple did the right thing. No, no. I'm just saying this is something they might do in order to force people to upgrade more. Okay, all right. Well, I think that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will take your point that they do make... I've always said that Apple make excellent hardware. Mm. All right. Um, and yes, the, the, uh, the latest batch of iPhones and then the latest batch of, of, of smartphones in general. I mean, we've just had that. It's like, you know, when Steve Jobs came out and went, oh, just one more thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've yeah. turned the, the whatever into, in, into a phone and everybody went, oh, wow. Mm. You know, kind of things have developed, but we haven't had a, a massive breakthrough moment since then. Like, you know, and no, it's all improvements no. and bezel-less screens and yada, mm. yada, and this and better cameras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think you're right. Smartphones are, are they as good as they can get? Because nobody's thinking, oh, I wish I could just do... Yeah, that was my smart. Well, I was looking at the specs for the iPhone X versus the eight and the eight S. Mm. Uh, sorry, the eight and the eight plus, and very little difference. I mean, the only thing you would put over the eight versus the eight S are the dimensions. I mean, the X is slightly um, uh, less. It's slightly um, thinner. Mm. It's slightly uh, thinner. And it's um, slightly smaller overall. The big difference really is the screen because they've gone with OLED on the uh, yeah, on and the HDR 10. as well, and Face ID. 
mm. on the X. I'll stick to my passcode. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Yeah, I don't believe in, in, in very much of that. Do you think that this scandal, for want of a better word, is really going to affect Apple next uh, oh, during the year? Oh, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. This has happened to them before uh, to do with um, either laptops or I think it was like 2010 or something. And they, mm. they equated it to every time you turned on your computer, it was like a little death. It was like there was a, a the power button just uh, there was nothing wrong with the rest of your computer it was just the power button itself was faulty um, so uh, people and then of course the iPhone 4 had the antenna problem as well it had the antenna and, problem as well but that, I think yeah. that was more teething problems when I came. and it was unfortunate because yeah. it was such a it's such a nice design still yeah yeah that, they do make excellent 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 equipment I don't think that's going to make any difference but the fact they called it a feature I just thought was hilariously funny yeah um, listen one last thing for uh, for us for today and it's just one word really because we did a big feature on it just a tail end of last year autonomous and yep. automating transport and mm-hmm. deliveries and cars and all that kind of thing do you think we're going to hear a lot more about that uh, this year we're going to hear an awful lot more about it um whether we're going to see things on the roads is kind of interesting i mean for anyone that caught our our um, deep dive there into autonomous autonomous systems um at, uh, research going on at Lero. What was very interesting is, okay, straight driving, we got that, that's no problem. The issue is going to be at what stage does the human have to take over? Because we've got an awful lot of awkward, twisty, turny, bendy roads in Ireland because uh, our infrastructure wasn't set up for, you know, motorway traffic. You know, it's quite old compared to the States where um, the only problems that have been had with uh, self-driving cars have been be- because humans have crashed into them effectively, you know. In, our, in Ireland, because our roads are the way we are, um, there is going to have to be a cut-off point at which either another system kicks in, be it a smart city system, uh, with real-time updates of what's going where and who's doing what, uh, or you're just going to have to force the human driver to take up control. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where that line inserts mm. itself in the debate. So you, d- you don't think we're going to become like a Blade Runner society in the next uh, 12 months? Well, <laughs> oddly enough, if you look at the example of Blade Runner where, you know, flying cars, that would actually be much easier <laughs> than dealing with our rubbish roads. Uh, do, do you know what? I fully agree with you. <laughs> and it's so nice to spend time with you, Niall, because <laughs> with the majority of my friends, they would just laugh me out of the pub if I had <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, so, you know, in another, whatever, 20, 30 or 50 years time, that is entirely possible. Yeah. Absolutely entirely possible. Uh, I, th- I think that the self-driving cars is going to be <laughs> driven uh, uh-huh. a lot harder this year um, because you've got, I mean, Tesla are kind of pushing it and they're saying it's a feature for drivers and mm. stuff like that. Where I actually see the real push on, on driverless cars is companies like Uber. Mm. All right, where imagine having a taxi company where you didn't need any taxi drivers. Wow. Yeah. What and, a saving. And Uber are a taxi company now, according to the European Court of Justice. Well, there we go. There's that whole thing. But then you've also got, you know, like delivery services like Amazon are, mm. are playing with their drones and stuff like that. That's all automated. Um, uh, there was a, a robot that I saw for a, a restaurant in the States where they put mm. the, the the grub in the in the thing and off it goes on yeah. its merry little way. And there was the uh, robot in San Francisco that was deployed to handle the homeless problem, inverted commas. Oh, right. Didn't oh, last very long. No, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's not talk about that. Well, listen, that's 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 a look at kind of what happened last year, and it looks like it's going to be quite an exciting year in 2018. I'm very much looking forward to how these things all develop. Listen, that's it for our show this week. This episode of Tech Radio is supported by IrishJobs.ie for the latest IT jobs from leading recruiters. Visit TechCentre.ie forward slash jobs. So if you think you have a change of pace, maybe in uh, the year, uh, that link again to check out is TechCentre.ie forward slash jobs. Of course, you can get information on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more on our website at techcentral.ie and make sure you listen to us again next week or indeed every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, Happy New Year and we talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.